I'm delighted to be joined by three amazing people who I'm sure many of you will have met before. Hello to Wendy Mitchell. Uh, hi, Wendy. Um, and Chris Roberts and Jane Goodrick. Hi. Hello. Hi. Good to be here. We, we, we've had to come on the same device because of internet access problems. We're on a, a campsite in the middle of Somerset somewhere. That's brilliant. I, I'm very envious, although it's sunny in Oxfordshire as well. Wendy, you're uh, muted. I don't know if you've noticed. You might just need to unmute yourself. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, and that won't do, will it? Well, it probably would. <laughs> I can guarantee, Wendy, you oh, won't be the first, first person I say that to today. Almost. <laughs> it's the phrase of 2020. You're on mute. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. lovely to see you, Jane and Chris. Good to uh, see you. You're looking have... fabulous, Wendy. Oh, so are you. It's lovely to see you. I know. I always, I always um, enjoy looking at your pictures, your photographs you take on social media, Wendy. Your uh, pictures from around the town. Yeah, they keep me going. <laughs> yeah. They keep us all going. It gives you, it gives you something to do, doesn't it? it? Gives you focus. It does. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's got me through this strange time. Yeah. Well, uh, I kind of picked on you you three particularly because I thought first of all it'd be nice to three see three friendly faces during the first <laughs> half an hour when I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to be saying. Yeah you're and looking you're... very fresh at the moment Adam. Am I? I, well, I don't know why I've got a special t-shirt look. Oh, oh. Special yeah. t-shirt made a sign. <laughs> I noticed the sign. Um, so I thought I'd definitely want three friendly faces of people I know and work with before as well to join me in the first sessions. And it's funny because I was worried that I won't have time to fill the whole half an hour. And then I realised half an hour is not that long when you've got so many people to talk to, actually. Mm. Um, so we'll be good. Um, and of not. course, raising money for Alzheimer's Research UK as well. I'm going to reorganise my things. I'm going to come to you first. Chris and Jane actually cracking on. So I know I've seen you speak at various research conferences and I know from my work that you're champions for joint dementia research as well. At, at what point did you, did kind of research even come into your mind, obviously, for, for anybody who, I, I actually know, do you know what, let's, I forgot to ask you to introduce yourselves. Could I maybe come to you both <laughs> first? I'm Jane, I'm Chris's wife. Um, I've been given a label of carer, but he cares for me probably far more than I care for him. Yeah. And, and my, my name's Chris Roberts, and, and I've got mixed dementia because I'm greedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm Wendy Mitchell. When Chris first had a diagnosis, though. <laughs> Sorry, you go. No, no, it was me. It was me. No, no, I was no. just jumping into the into the. No, no, you you finish your introduction. That would be great. Yeah. So when so when Chris was first diagnosed, um, we were left in in a state of hopelessness because the the, the delivery of the diagnosis left us with no hope. It was more or less go home, fill the LPA, do the will. Um, but what did give us hope was Chris became involved in a research project, and, a research project, and that's where we first found hope. And, and I realised that that um, I had this image in my head when research was mentioned of, of almost like Frankenstein and being laid on, strapped onto a bed and taking parts of my brain and, you know, and I thought, no, no that's not happening. 
And you haven't have done that yet. involved in, in this project. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they haven't. Mm. What, what I've got, I'm hanging on to. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't blame you. What about, why can I ask you to introduce, you, introduce yourself as well, Wendy? Uh, yeah, I'm Wendy Mitchell. Um, I've got mixed dementia too, although I, I only found that out by looking over the consultant's notes. Because they told me I had Alzheimer's. And then one day I looked over the consultant's notes and it said mixed dementia. And I said, why, why has nobody told me that bit? Uh, don't you think it might help me a little bit? Uh, anyway, um, so I, I was diagnosed ooh, um, five or six years ago, something like that. Um, and as Chris said, you know, you're given no hope whatsoever. Yeah. The way the way diagnosis is medicalized, you you just have all the negatives thrown at you and no hope whatsoever. And I wanted to be involved in research from the start because I saw that as the chink of of hope, just as Chris said. Um because you have to have something to cling on to when at the beginning you know nothing else. And just being involved in research just made me feel valued again and gave me that sense of, yes, I still have something to give here. And so, so that's how I started to be involved in research and have continued ever since, just like my lovely friends. And when I found out that research didn't involve um, people being invasive and stealing your body parts, <laughs> and that a lot of projects are um, just just filling in surveys and questions and, and, and assisting that way, that then that I realised that that's something that I could do and, and, and I could do quite well because I could take my time and, and it really does make you feel like Wendy says, it makes you feel like you've achieved something and you're helping yeah. it other people yeah I, I think social and technological research is is equally important as medical clinical research you know we have to find the best ways to live for those of us living with it now and we have to find the best ways to care for those who can no longer care for themselves and you know the technology is I, I didn't use technology before dementia. So, you know, don't give up hope of learning technology just because you're diagnosed with dementia. Because everything I've learned, I've learned since being diagnosed. I never had an iPad before dementia came into my life. And now it's, it's sort of a, an extra appendage on me. <laughs> I've got one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yours is called Jane. An iPad. <laughs> terrible people. Terrible people. But 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 we can't. Um, we can't. If we can do this, then, then and join in and, and help after a diagnosis, then then anyone can, and everyone yeah. should be doing doing that. And I didn't realise at first that that research also wants not people just diagnosed with dementia but also healthy brains you know you know for yeah. comparisons and stuff like that 
So this is why we need money for research. And all the money at the moment has disappeared because of this horrible time we're in. Yeah. So, so, so now you're back at work. Give us the money. That's right. Absolutely. Spot on. <laughs> now more than ever. I mean, the big farmers are all concentrated on going for the cure, the holy grail. As Chris often says, which one do you cure? There are so many different types of dementia. Uh, and as, as Wendy alluded, alluded to, the psychosocial research is enabling us to live to the best that we can whilst we can. Um, because the holy grail cure will not come in time for best benefit for Chris and Wendy and everybody else out there like them. Um, and it is extremely important. But there's all the other pieces of research in between that enable us to carry on, to enable us to, to um, learn how to use the iPads and the technology, which has been absolutely completely invaluable during this last four, six months, because the, the way the pandemic has affected people of dementia has been exponentially um, overburdensome. But this at least has given people with dementia hope and been able to reconnect. And also we've taken a part in research during the, the lockdown by having these, um, the iPads and things. Yeah. I think the motivations for people to participate in research uh, are very, they're very personal, of course. Some people are, you know, but what I was interesting, I've, I've been collaborating recently with various international registers, because of course, you know, in the UK, we have joint dementia research and in the US they have, lots including trial match and in australia they have step up and it was really interesting to find that there were so many commonalities across those in so much as people's motivation to participate in studies is often in the first few months particularly when they look at people who sign up how off how quickly is it if they participate so if they're going to do something it's really at the start and i don't know if that's what you found, I mean, you found it quickly. Does that, because it just becomes harder as time goes on, do you think? Well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. I, um, I, I belong to a, a, my peer support group is York Minds and Voices. And when I asked all them uh, who wants to take part in research, no one put their hand up. And then I asked them, who wants to change the way dementia looks in the future? Everyone put their hand up. You know, so it's, it's, it's getting an understanding of what research is to people that is key. And if, if only that happened early on for many people, because not everyone is like us and, and embraces it. No. You know, other people just don't, it's not, you know, they think they're, they're not, it's not for them, it doesn't happen to them. So if if only research was normalized in the clinical world for people with dementia, just like it is for, for cancer, then you know more people would understand the the, the benefits and the um, what they can do for future generations and for themselves by taking part. So one of the key messages for the 56 researchers I'm talking to over the next 11 and a half hours then mm -hmm. is to, I don't know, do you think it's just to, to get better at talking, explaining this? I mean, uh, and to also encourage more people like you, I think that do understand that it's not taking bits of your brain away, that 
to to you know getting those stories out there and better sharing what research really is from real people who've done it not not you know somebody in a tie somewhere does that make sense do you think you don't know you don't you don't know, Adam, what you don't know. So unless someone informs you and gives you information about how long it's going to take and get rid of all those misconceptions that you might have about research, and that it's not going to take you a great deal of time, it might just be 10 minutes a, a month even, mm. then, then, then that will change people's minds then, I think. They need to have more information about how long it's going to last and how much input that they are going to have to do. Mm. They're not. They're not bothered about anything else. It, it's. It's that is is the most off-putting thing because you you then make it up in your head, and you think I haven't got the time. I think also uh, what you said about around the world um, that that you find with all the different projects that people are people. The best time to get people involved is uh, earlier on in their diagnosis. A because that's when if you've been diagnosed with anything, that's when you're more likely to find out more about it. What is it? What does it mean? How can I get involved? What can I do about it? And a lot of the, the, the delivery of the diagnosis just leaves you hopeless. There is nothing you can do now. Go home and, and don't do this. Don't do that. Don't the other. And what when Chris was working with the Welsh Government around the Wales Dementia Action Plan, he insisted that research be put in there and they have made a commitment to research. Now, obviously, at the moment, all the, the funding's gone, you know, up in the air. But we need the commitments from the, the policymakers to um, get this research. It is really important that at point of delivery or even beforehand, the people doing the assessments, the clinical the clinicians are prepared to talk about research, are prepared to say, would you be interested? Do you think this might help? Because if nothing else, if you don't get a diagnosis of dementia at the end of it, you obviously have some um, cognition problems to be going through that process. If you get a diagnosis, then um, there is a whole world of research opened, research um, opportunities open to you. If you don't have a diagnosis, then research into well, what has caused these problems. And um, so it, although we're, we're concentrating on dementia here, it's across the whole spectrum. The sooner, the sooner people are introduced to the fact that they can be involved in whichever way, mm. the more likely, the more invested they're going to be in that research. Yeah, it's normalising talking about research. You know, make it normal. But oh, also, I think the the academics need to leave all the academic, the academia inside their world, and bring. Bring normal language and normal talking into our world, uh, you know, because lots of uh, lots of people are put off by the the academic sounding of things, and they think, "Oh, I'm not clever enough to do this." The uh, big words, yeah, <laughs> the the iteration of a project. That's right. <laughs> Whatever that means. Well, so um, just use normal language. And that's why I think, well, why join? I mean, this isn't an advert for joint dementia research, but that's why that came about in the first place was exactly that reason, because there were so many. The first thing people often do when they go away from getting their diagnosis is whether it's themselves or, you know, family members is Googling. Yeah. You know, they're, they, they're out there Googling to try and find out what, what treatment options there are. What's what? How is the disease going to progress? What what should they expect? 
Arbor but surely, and... Adam, you, you before this, you, you should be you should be told all this. You shouldn't have yeah. to go and Google it. You shouldn't have to look for it. You know, and I would love to have heard more about research and, and and what help I could be. Even though I thought it was the end of my life and I was on the scrap heap, I'd love to have known, known earlier. I could have started earlier. I found out that uh, when my when I saw the consultant in the memory clinic, I found out after he discharged me that um, research was going on at that clinic. So I, <laughs> I wrote to him and said, why didn't you tell me? And he just said, oh, well, I didn't think you'd want the burden of research when you'd just been diagnosed. You know, that's, uh, oh, that's exactly that's know. a number of people I've spoken to that that make that judgment call to, to yeah. say, oh, I don't think this person is right, or I do think that person is right, um, is... It's for me to decide... They need to just... Ask, yeah. 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 I mean, I, 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 in the NHS's defence, to, to some extent, I know that services are busy and finding time to take that, but in which case I think that there are other ways to deliver that conversation you can shift that afterwards or I know some trusts are really good at this I'm I've been working with uh, Lancashire Care Trust over the last few years and I know that they they're really good at this they set somebody to one side they have a volunteer who a volunteer who has this conversation so it's not taking up nurse time or doctor time that you know they have somebody who knows all about this they've got a big list of all the studies going on in the area at that time they talk about joint dementia research as well mm. i've got some... not... I, they I, I always want... put barriers in the way instead of thinking of the solutions you know they always yeah sorry one of my one of my favorite I'm going to remind everybody watching that they can ask questions and then just before the end I'll put all these questions to uh, Christian and Wendy so you can post your questions in the YouTube feed or in Zoom or using hashtag chatathon if you're listening on um, Periscope or all these various channels. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> I'm going to put some Questions to you, uh, first of all, there. we've got uh, just a comment from Rachel Daly, who, who is also one of our researchers who's going to be joining us later today to talk about her work at Dementia UK. She says, this is really helpful, Wendy. Thank you all very much. We all need to be better at that. So I will keep reiterating that message for you, Wendy. Thank you for that uh, point, uh, uh, Rachel. Erin uh, Partridge uh, asks what words draw you into participating and what turn you off go on chris and jane first right the, the worst the worst words are ones i don't understand yeah. <laughs> i have don't forget i've no health training no grounding research or, or clinical etiquette and to use words that, that i won't understand i'm turned off immediately uh, one of the things I noticed, uh, as Wendy said before, uh, not being offered research in uh, at the clinic, when Chris received his diagnosis, we were prepared, you know, we knew what was coming. And I said, so what happens next? Nothing. All, all we got from the, the consultant was, well, you'll see me when you're 65. That's where she could have said, well, you could become involved in research. You could, would you be interested? 
would you be interested in changing the future of dementia? Would you like to help yourself? Yeah. Those words. I think, I think making research a standard part of the care pathway. I could, it's tr the tricky thing here is that I think certain, not every trust is doing research. I mean, there are lots of trusts across the country that aren't really doing much. And if they're not doing much, their interest in promoting it when it's not a study taking place there, I don't know if that's, if that's <clears throat> something that just doesn't then come up. But um, it should be a part of the care pathway. And if that trust isn't doing research, then almost certainly that somebody at the local university will, whether that's a PhD student or, mm. or um, you know, or the neighbouring trust will and sharing that. I'm going to um, try if and the, get these if questions. The, if, if the trust isn't doing research, they should still be invested in the patients within their trust yeah. and to give them the opportunity to do something about their condition. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, our next question was from Claire Hanna, uh, who asks, there's a difficulty in sharing enough information without overloading on a first conversation. How do people living with dementia want us to try and get around that? Go on, Wendy, you, maybe I'll put that yeah. to you. Uh, very simply, just tell me very simply <laughs> what you aim to do. Yeah. I don't need to know all the the technicalities and the other stuff what do you want to do and how can i help and this is the one that would given would have given us hope yeah if they'd have said you can be involved in in something going forward you can be involved in research would you like the information that's all they have to do that Sign would me up. that would have given us that glimmer of hope in what they left us in a hopeless situation and the situation did not need to be hopeless we don't need it. I do understand about um, information overload because it, it really affects someone. Yeah. It affects me anyway. But why yeah. can't the, to make it accessible to put all the, 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 the items that they want to get over in a bullet point And it's so much quicker than giving us 36 leaflets, 36 pages. I agree. I agree with both of you. And also as well, there is a lot of information to share. But I think that message about research is probably as important as all the other messages. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. think yeah. I think the key is to, to be succinct. And academics sometimes have a problem being succinct because they're so used to having to write reams and reams of things. Short. So, Absolutely. So, so, sorry, Chris. <laughs> I think I've got, so I've got some more questions, at which I'm, I'm, I'm keen because I know our next guests are going to be arriving in two minutes' time. I was worried that the time would take ages. This has flown by. <laughs> Um, Sandra Burley <laughs> asks, how can we effectively share research locally? Um, ooh, give me one example, Chris and Jane, how have you promoted research in your communities? Just one quick example. Social media. Social media. Ooh, Facebook particularly though, I think yeah. people with dementia yeah. more than Twitter. Every town, city and village in the country, most of them now have, have, have their own Facebook page. You know, I, I live in a little place called Rivlin, which people have never heard of, and we've got our own community Facebook group. And, and it's it takes seconds. Wendy does it on Twitter. I'm going to yes. go back to my next question. Uh, Linda Baker asks, uh, I'd like to ask her about research into PCA. Uh, Linda, join later on today. PCA will come up several times. Um, if you have a look in the programme, uh, there is a specific session, I think, on PCA. Um, 
Chris Norris makes the point that lots of money being spent on Alzheimer's but needs to make other dementias as important too. I think, Chris, you'd advocate for that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's so many others out there. Al Alzheimer's is just, a, you know, the, the one that's more relative to most people. But there's so many dementias out there. And, and especially the, the rare ones, you know, PICS, FTG, yeah, UCL, where I work, yeah. is, is great. Yeah, it's not all about Alzheimer's. No. Not at all. Um, so coming back again, last question, uh, Rachel Daly asks, should we simplify part patient participation sheets? I think you'd say yes to that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And put a picture um, on. Have a smiley face of the researcher on every information sheet. You don't just want words. You want to see a smiley face that is welcoming and that you want to take, you want to help them. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And, and Wendy. I think the biggest, um, oh, the, the big, the, the, oh, I've forgotten now. <laughs> um, I was just going to say thank you very much, uh, Wendy Mitchell, uh, Chris Roberts, and Jane Goodrick for, for joining. Uh, honestly, you know we could talk all day. We, we, yeah. did. we We've done podcasts. Go to the Dementia Researcher podcast. There's a, an hour long podcast talking about exactly this subject. Um, two half-hour sessions uh, yeah. there with Hilary Doxford as well. Uh, but the thing, I, Adam, the thing I hear the most is we, we can't find them. We're but, here. What, you know, when you've got an organisation like, like Deep who facilitate the, the setting up of groups and you've got a, a working group across the three nations, we are there. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And we want to thank all the researchers for giving us that hope and ultimately yes. one day giving us a better life. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We can't do it without you. Thank yeah. you, Jane. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll speak to you all again soon. Thank yeah. you all.